I walked by my old house today. I'd lived there between June of 2011 and last day I had the keys was Halloween of 2018. So I lived there for, I don't know, close to seven and a half years. And I'd seen it in the last couple of years. I'd walked by it, yeah, definitely within the last two years or so. Because when I lived there, it was just this blue cinder block, cinder block, I can't even talk, cinder block shack, cinder block. It was a blue cinder block shack. It was a blue cinder block sack. It was a blue cinder block shack. Very square. The whole place is just square. It's like if you built a square out of, out of cinder blocks, painted them blue, the place had never been repaired, the roof was leaking all the time. I lived there for a while, probably two years before I noticed there was just a hole kind of in the corner behind the refrigerator that just went straight to the outside. It was always freezing cold in the winter. And it took me years to realize there was an actual hole. You know, I would say about the size of a... Uh, not quite the size of a fist, but big. I'm not, I'm not talking about the size of a coin. It was bigger than that. Yeah, maybe like the size of a baby's fist. And I just covered it up with something. I was like, fuck. That's a big hole to have in the middle of winter. And the roof was always leaking. A really bad leak, too. It never ruined anything of mine, but it, it was a... a leak where you worry that the ceiling is going to cave in. And it sort of did in one part of the house. I think, it, like, yeah, this, this little... Because it was like a, a, a square shack... And this like little tiny room had been tacked on to one side where the fridge and washing machine was. And that was also the back door, the side, the side back door, the side back. Oh, is that a side back? Oh, dude, you got the side back? Um, and uh, so, yeah, the carpet was really thin. You know, I think it had been a garage or a shed or something at some point. It was really close to this other house. And I, I don't know. I just always had this feeling like, did this start out as a, a standalone garage or workshop for someone who lived in that house? It was very old. Um, but yeah, the carpet, so, so like... The floor was obviously concrete, which is this thin layer of carpet over it. So it was a very hard floor. And this this moldy bathroom. I mean, the whole thing, it was just... I don't know, it made sense at the time. The rent stayed really cheap almost the entire time I lived there. And then I think the landlord increased it by like $25 or something really small. He was like, oh, I, I was already planning on moving out. And he's like, I, re I regret to tell you it's going to be about $25 more a year. After over seven years of living there, it was nothing. But I got what I paid for. I mean, the guy was a slumlord. If something really bad happened, I'd call him and be like, hey, you know, the roof's leaking really bad this time. And he'd patch it up. He was this old drunk named Pat. 
and he would come and he'd patch it up. He really liked me. Like he agreed to rent it to me uh, over a handshake. Like I met up with him, and uh, I remember he was like, "Well, I have these, you know, whatever papers they have you fill out, like background check or reference or whatever it is." He had those in his hand, and he's like, "You know what? Like I like you. I'm not gonna do this." He was, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty old school." And he's like, I like that. Like, just let's just do a handshake. It's yours. And he liked me. Like, I think I, he he really liked me. He thought I think he thought of me as kind of like a nephew. And yeah, he he was always on the verge of death. Severe alcoholic. His lungs were failing. He would be periodically hospitalized with black lung because of black lung. Near the end, he just had an oxygen tank with him at all times. But yeah, Pat, he was a Vietnam vet. I'd say in his 70s. But to collect rent, he would uh, just come by on the third of the month. But he would not, not always. It was, it tended to be the third of the month, but it really varied. And I always had this anxiety over it. Like, I always had the money, like I was being paid well, so rent was cheap. Like, I always had the money. But I always had this anxiety the first week of the month where I was like, oh, what day is Pat going to call? Like, I, I just wanted to get it over with. And he'd drive to my house. He'd pull up into the driveway. I'd meet him in the driveway, give him a check, and he'd drive off. We'd usually have some little banter. I might let him know if I need something for the house, if I need something fixed. Uh, but we might just talk about sports, about football, whatever. He always had something to say. He'd make some kind of wisecrack. You know, he always say something about women. When he was first showing me the house before I officially rented it, I remember he's like, yeah, I need to do some cleaning. I haven't cleaned since the last person moved out. And then he walked over to the oven and he was like, well, you know, these women, they do all this cooking and they never clean it. Like there's something to that effect. It started though, I don't remember like how he put it after that, but the, the first thing he said was, well, you know, these women, as he was opening the oven door. So he'd make little jokes like that. Like one time we were talking about the Seahawks. It was when the Seahawks were doing really well. And uh, I was like, yeah, Russell Wilson looks great. And he's like, he's a good little shit. He's a good little shit. And I was like, that's funny. Uh, another time we were talking, football season had ended. And I was just saying, yeah, you know, I don't really like, other, I don't really watch other sports. I don't really, I, I can't watch basketball. And he goes, yeah, I don't like brown ball. And he, he didn't sound exactly like that, but he had a really rough voice. Really deep smoker's voice. Kind of, you know, it was raspy, but it was like this very low grumble. Very cynical. But yeah, that and his eye. One of his eyes always looked like it was popping out. He had some severe eye condition, and so both of his eyes were really red. And one of them, one of them was really red, like really pink, and it, it looked like it was literally going to come out of his head. Like it wasn't hanging out, but it really looked like it was on the verge of just popping out. And uh, <laughs> forgot about that. I completely forgot about his eyes. <laughs> <laughs>
it's funny because I think about Pat sometimes, but like I totally forgot that he had this eye thing where his eyes, especially one of them, looked like it was going to pop out of the head. But yeah, when you say he's like, I don't, yeah, I don't like brown ball. I don't like brown ball. I can't do his voice. And I remember I met up with a friend at a bar after that, and I was telling him about it. I was like, oh, yeah, because I was always telling people landlord stories because, I mean, there were so many things. Like, every interaction with him was worth telling someone about. That's how it was. It was like every time Pat visited, you know, I usually see him at least once a month, maybe sometimes more. And it's like every single interaction you know, it was worth, uh, worth telling someone about afterward. And I met up with a friend after the brown ball one. And, uh, <laughs> I told this friend of mine and then like, I remember his face just contorted and he goes, that asshole. Cause I guess I didn't realize that someone would be offended by that. Like, obviously it's an offensive, a kind of an offensive comment. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is, he's, he's saying, you know, he's calling it brown ball cause everyone's black. Obviously, people are going to find that offensive. But it's not really... I don't know. There's there's nothing, like, hateful about it. It's just, like, he watches basketball and he's just like... A, brown ball. It's brown ball. And because I, I never heard that before. I don't know if that's something people say. If that's, like, an old-timey thing people used to say about it. But just brown ball. But, like, I, I guess I didn't expect one of my friends to really take that to heart. To go, uh, oh, that asshole. That's actually what he said. In this melodramatic voice, this friend of mine, I haven't seen him in years. He's a really good guy. He's a funny guy. That's why I was kind of surprised by his reaction. Because this is a guy who, who really loved absurdity and just and goofy old people. Like, you know, most of my friends, I feel like, enjoy just a weird, goofy old person. But this guy, he was offended by it. He was like, oh my, that asshole. And I was like, oh, okay. But I guess I always just saw it as like, what does it matter what he thinks or says? Because shortly after I started renting it, this is, you know, 2011, I was dating this girl I worked with and she was over once and he came by to pick up rent and like she and I went out and met him. And... He got out and he was talking to us for a minute. And I think, because he would mow, he would have the lawn mowed. He would hire these crackheads to mow my lawn. It was just, I don't even remember it being spoken, but it was just kind of part of the agreement. Like, but he would, he would wait a really long time. Like there'd be times where my, the grass was like practically up to my chest. I'm not even exaggerating, like definitely up to my waist. Yeah, because he would just forget but he, he was supposed to have it mowed every month. But yeah, he would just forget and he would hire these crackheads. But he came by and, and I think that we were talking about him having the grass mowed or, you know, some sort of landscaping. And my girlfriend was there and he was like, uh, you know what you got to do. You got to get her in a nice and tight bikini. Have her out there mowing it. And I didn't know what he was going to say because he emphasized like nice and tight. Get, you, get, you know, get her out here in a nice and tight bikini. But it's it wasn't creepy. Like even though it sounds like a very creepy thing to say, it didn't sound like he was 
creeping. You know, it didn't sound like he was being a creep. It was more just kind of unexpected. Like, obviously, he's like, oh, a pretty young girl. But it just play. It, it's kind of like his comment about the oven. Oh, you know, these women, they just, they do all this cooking and then they never clean it. It was kind of like that. And just get her out here in a nice and tight bikini. It was just the nice and tight. I didn't know what he was going to say. And I remember, like, my girlfriend was very sensitive. She was, like, 21 years old. Very liberal. And uh, I remember, like, seeing her tense up when he said, nice and tight. Get her out here in a nice and tight. We're in a nice and tight. Oh, she looked real good. She was wearing a nice and tight, nice and tight bikini. But she like tensed up. And I remember afterwards, like, she was kind of upset about it. Not horribly upset, but I just, let's say uncomfortable. And to be fair, it was very uncomfortable. But she commented on it, and I was just kind of like, it's Pat. You know, there's nothing threatening about it. It's just... That's the kind of stuff he's going to say. Like I said, he really wasn't a creep. Like one time his stepdaughter came by to collect rent because he was in the hospital with black lung. And she was just like, oh, you know, yeah, like Pat and I haven't always got along, but, you know, he's my stepdad. And, you know, basically she was saying like he's a decent guy underneath it all. But she said, like, the biggest problem was when she used to smoke weed. Like, he didn't like her smoking weed, which is funny because the guy, he's just chain-smoking himself to death. Hardcore alcoholic. Like, he'd always say, like, oh, you know, uh, if he needed to come over for something, it had to be early. Like, that's why, like, the rent thing was always kind of stressful because it was always, like, a short window of time when he, when he could come by because he... He would start drinking early in the night, and he's like, you know, I gotta have my drink. You know, I, I gotta, I can't come by then because I gotta. That's when I start drinking. Like it was just part of his routine. Like, oh yeah, I can't come by tomorrow at that time because that's when I start drinking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never even really thought about it. Like, I mean, it, I, it was amusing. I was like, oh Pat, you know, he's an old drunk, but I never actually thought about how it was just kind of scheduled into his life that way. Like, oh, I can't come over then because that's dinner time. I can't go over then because uh, I have an appointment. It was just like, oh, no, I can't go, go over then because that's when I start drinking. Um, but he was, you know, for all the shitty things, like, you know, because the worst thing I think of all, like, yeah, like being exposed to the elements, like the roof, you know, water just pouring into the roof at times. You know, the lawn growing, you know, up to my waist. Like, that was all one thing. But the only thing that really bugged me is the last year, maybe maybe longer, but at least the last year, the electricity just got really fucked up. Like, it was already sketchy. Like, this, this house already had horrible wiring. It had baseboard heaters, but they would just go on by themselves. So I just, like, turned the breaker off on them. Like, I, like when I first moved in, I would come... It was the middle of summer, and I would come home, and I would just be like, that's weird. It feels like the heat was on. 
and one morning I woke up and like I hadn't turned the heat on but like I could hear the baseboard heaters going on just making that noise and I was just like fuck like the baseboard heaters just turn on on their own and so I just turned the breaker off on those and I used space heaters there was no other heating so I, I just I had like three space heaters I would use in the winter which probably is really unsafe especially in a house with horrible electricity but I would just have like one in my bedroom you know one in the living room another in the kitchen and that was just just three space heaters but towards the end everything started uh, tripping the breaker like if I vacuumed it would either trip the breaker or I had like three vacuums die like the vacuums would overheat to the point where they just died and wouldn't turn back on again and I was like that's the house like there's something wrong with the wiring in this house so that everything overheats my stereo too I remember like if I was listening to music at night if I touched my stereo it was really hot not just like warm you know like an electronic that was on you know for a while it was like I was like that's not that's not right like my stereo shouldn't be that hot the vacuum shouldn't be dying from from overheating three vacuums or whatever it was and I told him about it. I was like, man, like... And then I got to the point, too, where the... Um, the heaters, they wouldn't trip the breaker, but the space heaters would just turn off. It's like there was such a strong flow of electricity. And other electronics and things, they would make noises. Like, uh... I'm trying to think of the sound, but like... Almost like a buzzing or kind of like a clicking which means they were being overdriven. There was like a like things that shouldn't make a buzz would buzz. And I think it's because they were being so overdriven with this bad electricity. Um, like my modem too, my modem would buzz. Hey, my modem's buzzing, baby, you know. Uh, but no, my modem would buzz, everything was just buzzing. The fridge would sometimes buzz really loud. And the fridge was from like 1970. It was the kind of fridge that we had at our cabin in like 1990. And we had had that fridge. It's like the same fridge in that cabin for probably like 20 years. So everything was dangerous. And uh, I was I going to say about that. So the, yeah, the, the whole place was dangerous. But somehow it's like, I don't know. I just, I felt it was necessary. Like I had a a cable guy come or at one time too like Pat was having something done like I think he was having my roof cleaned off or something like and he would just drive these crackheads up he didn't hire like a team like he didn't hire a landscaper he would just like pull up and he would like put throw some crackhead up on the roof and there were people who knew how to do it but barely and uh, at some point though like I knew that he had, he had been there that day to do some work and I went to go use my internet and it was down and I was like, okay, whatever, internet goes down. But then I went outside and checked. Well, no, I think I called like the internet company and they were like, oh yeah, you know, like we're not even getting a signal or something like that. And I went outside and like the, the cable that was coming from the telephone pole to my house, it kind of went down at an angle and attached to the edge of the roof and down the wall like it had just been cut 
like my internet cable or whatever it is, the phone line, I don't know what that is, but whatever the cable is that you that goes from the telephone line to your house and makes it so you can have internet, uh, like it had just been cut and it was just dangling there. And I realized like Pat had been there earlier that day and I don't think he did it, like he didn't do anything to fuck with me. Like he didn't do that to be like, oh, I'm gonna cut his internet. Oh, that kid who I that kid I like who rents from me. Like I'm just, I'm gonna just gonna cut his internet cable. I think it was just in his way, and he was just like, "Fuck it, this is I, this probably isn't anything." But this guy came to repair it, and I remember like he came, he had to come in my house and stuff. He was the internet, you know, just the the cable repairman. And I was talking to him about something, and I I commented that I'd lived there. I think at that point for five years four years I don't know I ended up living there for over like seven and a half but I think I commented like I've, and I remember like his eyes got big and he was like a rough blue collar guy you know he was, was kind of like a rough blue collar cableman and I remember he goes you've lived here for five years like he couldn't believe someone lived in this place for that long and I know heroin dealers had rented it like I I heard all kinds of stories but uh, the guy was was just like, "You've lived here for five years," and I remember being like, "Is is it that bad?" Because it wasn't that bad, you know. Like it, it didn't pr- like you didn't know all of the things wrong with it. Like it was rustic. It did look like a rustic cabin or something. It was a cinder block shack, but it didn't seem in, unless you knew all of the problems. Like if you knew about the roof, if you knew about the electricity. You know, it, it didn't seem quite that bad unless you actually spent some time there. But still, like this cable guy who goes to people's houses all day every day, like he was shocked that I could live there that long. Um, but then uh, there was a time where, like, I remember I was going to this Fourth of July party on the docks. There's this place here called Boston Harbor. It's like way, it's kind of just outside of town and. It has this dock. It's Boston Harbor. And a group of people I knew were having... There's, there's like a, a fireworks show and neighborhood party on these docks. It's a big event in that area. Uh, you know, some friends of mine were going to that. And, they were, and so I was like, yeah, I'll go. And I, I remember my landlord came by like the 4th of July. I think it was the 3rd of July. This event is always the 3rd of July. Uh, but Pat happened to come by on the 3rd of July, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to this uh, this thing, you know, out of Boston Harbor. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, My friend lives right there. He lives right across from the dock. He's like, hey, you know, he looks like this. If you see him, you know, tell him you know me. He'll treat you like a son. He's like, he's like, I thought that was amazing. Tell him you know me. He'll treat you like a son. And sure enough, I did see the guy. I didn't talk to him. I, I should have. But I saw the guy he was talking about. Well, because I, I think he said that maybe they were in Vietnam together. There was a Vietnam connection. Maybe they were both Vietnam vet, vets. Because I know Pat was. I think he said this guy was one too. I don't know if they served together or what it was. But he was very close to this guy. And uh, I saw that guy. He was like a, a chubby old guy 
with bald with dark like a dark horseshoe and a mustache and glasses I feel like he was just wearing sunglasses even at night I think he was in a Hawaiian shirt tan and I remember he was yelling at some people for literally being on his lawn because he lived right by the dock like barely even across the street like the roads there are barely even streets it's more like a path and so I saw this guy across the path, and I was like, oh, that's Pat's friend. And I think he was yelling at somebody for being on his property or something, but I should have talked to him. Tell him you know me. I'll treat you like a son. There was also this thing, like in the newspapers, this couple had been arrested because they had, like, guns, multiple pet alligators who were guarding a weed plant, guarding guarding a weed operation. And then they also had a stripper pole. And the, I think the guy got arrested for pointing a gun at his neighbor or something. I think that's what it was. Yeah, he got arrested for pointing a gun at his neighbor. And they, they found, he had multi, three pet alligators guarding weed plants and, and then a stripper pole. And then Pat was like, that's our friend. We know that guy. And he didn't elaborate, but I was just like, wow. Because sometimes he'd pull up with his... I guess she was like his common-law wife, like his longtime girlfriend. And she took good care of him because he was in such bad health. Like, she was a little bit younger. She, she might have been in her 50s. You know, he was probably in his 70s, like early to mid-70s. And she was always take. She was obviously a hardcore alcoholic because she got arrested. That's why his stepdaughter had to come by and pick up rent. Because if Pat was sick or something, his wife would come or his whoever this woman was, his girlfriend. But this time, Pat was in the hospital with black lung, and his girlfriend had been arrested. Like she was drunk at a bar, and I can't remember what she did. I think she tried to attack a cop. I think like the cops had been called on her for something else. And then she tried to attack a cop. And these weren't drug users. They were just drunks. They apparently knew all kinds of people, but there were no drugs involved with Pat and his girlfriend. They were just drunks who smoked. And uh, But she was in jail, and Pat was in the hospital. And the stepdaughter was... Step, stepdaughter? Stepdaughter? The stepdaughter was... The stepdaughter was, you know, forced to come pick up rent. And yeah, she was telling me like what her mom had done. She was like, oh, just like, like you know, what a what a what an annoyance. Whereas like if my mom had been arrested for anything, my mom got arrested. I'd be like, oh, oh, my God, this is the most insane thing in the world. But she was just kind of it's like, oh, this is such an inconvenience. I've got to go pick up a rent for Pat now. Treaty like a son. But I really do think he saw me as kind of his nephew. Like I, I'm probably the longest tenant he ever had, for one. Because from what I understand, people were just like in and out of that house. And he, he did try to make me happy. But what I was going to say about the electricity, too, is that was the thing where I kept telling him, like, you need to fix this, okay? Like, I can tolerate any number of these things, but... This is one you got to fix. Like, this is scary. 
And he sent this electrician out who was, again, just some random guy he hired. Not a crackhead in this case, but he was just this, like, he seemed like he was an at, like a, a, a 60-year-old acid casualty. And I remember he was talking to me about music because he saw my guitar and he was into rock. Like, he was into music. Like, he was definitely some kind of old burnout. Because I remember him talking about music, like some kind of, you know, older music. And it, was, it wasn't just like a random dude talking about music. It was just something normal. It wasn't Led Zeppelin, but like it might as well have been like the sort of things like an old burnout would say to you about Led Zeppelin or something. But he was obviously some kind of acid casualty or just something. He'd fried his brain somehow or he just had a naturally fried brain. But I remember him saying, I think his son had Down syndrome or something. His kid had Down syndrome. And uh, he just kind of in a stupor, he just kind of like wandered around my house like basically pretending to check the electricity. And was like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. And uh, so, yeah, like that was that was the worst part. It was just this scary electricity. What else was I going to say about that? But anyway, I don't know. I moved out on Halloween in 2018. I also I finished reading the Bible that day. Like I had already moved all my stuff out. So the house was totally empty, which was bizarre. It's, it's weird to live in a place for, you know, seven and a half years accumulate so much stuff like really mold to the house really become part of the house and then to empty it out completely and just be there especially this particular house because it was it was so rustic and unique you know it wasn't the way it looks like when you move out of like an apartment with white walls and you know a wood floor or something you know yeah it's it's weird to think like oh all my stuff was here and now it's empty oh it's so different but this place in particular was like, wow, this is truly strange. You know, this is truly strange. And I remember I was going to a Halloween party that night and I still had the keys one more day. So I I was like, I'll just stop by my house. All my stuff's gone. I'm not sleeping there anymore. But I was like, stop, I'll I'll stop by there, you know, before I meet up with my friend to go to the party. And I left my car there, I believe. And, uh, like, I remember coming back after the party and, you know, stopping by the house. And I was like, this is it. And, like, well, earlier in the day, that's the thing, is earlier in the day, like, before the party, like, when I went there and it was completely empty, I was finishing reading the Bible for the first time. And I remember I just sat on the floor against the wall and just, I was like, I'm going to finish it now. It's Halloween. It's the last day in this house. I'm going to finish the Bible right here on the floor. And I did. And I remember this is, this is, uh... I don't like being nude. Like if I if I get out of the shower, I put my underwear on as soon as possible and I will never walk around the house naked. 
I'll never walk around the house nude. It just makes me, I'm just not comfortable. I just don't feel good. I don't like that feeling. I'll walk around shirtless. I'm, I'm happy to walk around the house shirtless. I'll walk around the house in my underwear. Preferably not. But I'll do it. Honestly, how I'd prefer to be in my house is to have an undershirt on, underwear, and gym shorts. That's ideal. If I'm around the house, there's a 99.9% chance that's what I'm wearing. That's what I'm wearing right now. But, you know, if, if I'm out of the shower and, you know, I'm, I'm still doing things, I'll walk around in my underwear. I don't love it, but it's, I can do it. I will not walk around nude. Point being, I remember I finished reading the Bible, and I think it had it gotten dark by that point. And then I remember I just took off all my clothes, so I was completely naked. You know, and the, cur- the curtains were closed and everything. And I remember I just, I just kind of walked around the house completely naked. I didn't do anything weird. Not that I remember. I believe I just walked around the entire house a little bit. I just I think I just like kind of stood in the living room naked. I've never done that before or since. I've never like ritualized nudity. But for whatever reason I just felt compelled in that moment to like walk around the empty house naked. Stand, just stand in the living room naked. Then I got dressed and went to a party. I remember when I got back from the party, leaving for the last time, like turning off all the lights, going out through the side back door. And I remember just like kind of taking one last look before I turned out the light back there. I remember just being like, okay, this is it. You know, kind of melodramatic. But I think you need to do that. You know, with certain things, I think you need to take that, that moment and make it cinematic. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I think it's good. I think it's good to sometimes, like when, you're, when you've lived in a place for seven and a half years and really bled into the place. I think, like, you know, when you're leaving for the last time... I think I think the place deserves a little cinematic treatment like where you just you look as you're leaving through the back door you just kind of look and you slowly turn off the light and you just get that one last look. You know, there's all sorts of different situations you can think that way with. And I, I don't know, I think it's in a way respectful. And it's not like, "Oh, I'm living in a movie. This is one of those moments where the camera shows me solemnly reflectively like looking at my old living room for the last time as I turn out the light you know I don't even think it's about that like oh I'm living in a movie living in a movie I think it's just you need to kind of ritualize those moments sometimes but there are many times where you just don't that's why you need to take advantage of it when you can and see things that way because you know like today like walking by that house I didn't dwell on it. I didn't sit there and I did think about it for a minute because I feel it feels so removed now. 
Like I was when I was walking by it, I was thinking that I, I hadn't lived there for six years. It's actually been less than five. I think I moved out of there four and a half years ago. Like it feels like longer. Yeah, I think I moved out of there four and a half years ago. October 31st, 2018. I'm too tired to calculate that, but I think that's like four and a half years. Close to five. So not as long as I thought. Not as long as I remembered. But walking by it, I was—I did take a moment just to be like, oh yeah, I, I know that place. They did. They made some improvements on it because I think they realized they couldn't rent it in its current condition. So they put a tin roof on it. They painted it a very interesting color. They painted it kind of this pink peach. It's a very light shade, kind of a a cream pink peach. It's not quite peach, it's not quite pink, it's not quite cream. It's just this this kind of very light shade that fits all those descriptions. There's some plants, like planters outside the windows. It looks as nice as it could be. It's still a weird little square shack. But it, it looks more, far more charming and well taken care of. And it had this, this standalone wooden, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of a, it was meant to be kind of like a, a garage, I guess. I don't, very old, this very old wood. It was kind of a, a combination like shed, car, carport, garage thing, just open door. Like it had a little open door you could walk through into the backyard and then it had an opening on the front that was big enough to drive into. And it was just filled with all this stuff from past tenants. Like there was a cassette collection that had space music. Like it had home taped cassettes and all all it said on the side was space music. A lot of other random stuff, just like pop, rock, just different things. I always wanted to play those in my stereo, but it's like they'd been outside exposed to the elements for who knows how many years so i was like eh, i don't want to i don't want to ruin my stereo or something but just random junk like when i first moved in there was even a shopping cart in there it was at least one or two old tvs just trash but most of it was like i like the aesthetic like some bins wooden bins of just random stuff just tools like this big chain and padlock like hanging from a hook. And my friend Nick used to, we'd stand in there and drink. And he came up with the name Schoolhouse for it. We just, we'd, say, we'd call it the Schoolhouse. Hanging out in the Schoolhouse. But they redid that. I think they might have completely rebuilt the Schoolhouse. And it now has a like a, a door that closes on it. It's still wood. It's still just basically a wood shed slash carport. But they put a door on it. So they made some changes. They, they definitely improved it as much as they can. I'm sure they did a lot inside. At least something inside. I think I'd gone by it because it was empty for a while. After I moved out, it was empty for a while. And I think I went by it once. And I could see they were doing some work inside as well. Probably read 
recarpeted it. Who, who knows what all they did? But walking by today, it was like there was no melodrama. There was no, there was no cinema to it. I was just kind of like, yeah, I, I put some time into that place. But it was, it was honestly difficult for me to identify with it. Like I can think of so many. I, that was the house that I drank at. That was the house that I just drank at. I remember doing cocaine in that house. You know, just certain people hanging out there, spending time there. I remember just the ups and downs of my mind there. Easily the darkest times of my life were spent there. Fun. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of necessary experiences in that house. But also some genuinely dark things were going on in my life too. Like there was, my, I remember my soul being just very twisted up in there. Not because of the house. Just because of life. Just existential, the existential condition, if you want to put it that way. Just uh, being really twisted up there. Being in just a very dark headspace most of the time. But very interesting things happening there as well. And uh, But walking by today, I didn't feel any of that. I was just kind of like, you know, it sure looks different. But, but I also know every inch. I know every centimeter of, of the inside of that place. I'm in there. Even if they tore out all the walls, put in new carpet, I am still in there. Like, you don't do the time I did in that house and not leave something in there. But that's how I think. You know, I mean, like, like talking a minute ago about, you know, the cinematic moment of turning out the light for the last time. You know, I'm kind of that way. I'm that way about buildings. Buildings. I'm that way about buildings. Like my childhood home, we moved out of it when I was like 16. I think it was the my junior year of high school. The start of my junior year of high school. And uh, some family friends actually bought it. Like they had always loved our house apparently. And they were like, oh, we'll just buy it. And they were close family friends. But I never set foot in that house again. You know, there were like, you know, gatherings. There were dinners. Like my family was invited to dinner over there and there were gatherings. I never went. Because I lived in that house for 16 years from the time I was born. And I, I just, I, I never, I didn't want to see anybody else living there. I wasn't upset that they bought it. I wasn't upset that somebody else lived there. I just didn't want to see it. I just didn't want to see somebody else inhabiting that place. I wanted to remember it exactly the way it always was. And uh, so I never, and I remember like people asking why, like I remember someone being like, what? It's like thinking it was weird to feel that way. I'm like, it's not weird. It's not weird. It's not weird to think that way. 
I mean, there's a part of me that, like, at some point, I would love to be able to go back to every single house I ever lived in and just kind of walk around for a few minutes, just get a look. They do that in documentaries. It's like they take uh, someone famous back to their childhood home or something. Uh, but, you know, I, I would like to do that maybe at the end of my life. Maybe when I'm old, I'd like to go back to all the houses I ever lived in and just walk around. But, you know, soon after you move out, like, no. Going over and seeing how the next person is living there, no. I wouldn't want that. I don't know. I've always I've always put a lot of a, a thought into buildings, like driving by old schools that I went to. My elementary school. I've just walked by that and looked at it, driven by it and looked at it. Just thought like, wow. Like there's an energy there for me. Childhood friends' houses. Even people where there's no real connection or relationship, like... I think it was around 2017. It was like the same week I quit drinking. I think I had basically decided to quit, but I wasn't totally sure yet. So I went up to my hometown to visit my friend who was staying at his parents for, I think, Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. And I remember I was like, well, like, I'm I'm not drinking. Like, he and I would always drink a lot. And I, I went up there and I was like, well, I'm not drinking. I just can't. And uh, so instead, we just walked around the entire town smoking weed. And we walked by all these people's houses. And, like, many of them were people we knew. And we would just kind of stop. It was late at night. And we would just kind of stop and, like, look at the house. Like, in many cases, the the family didn't even live there anymore. But we would just kind of stop and look at it and just kind of take it in. Because he thinks the same way I do about that stuff. And then we even walked by some random people's houses. Like, there was this... This weird unfortunate looking girl dark hair very pale skin very overweight unibrow her name was Stacy I, I would like to say her last name but I don't know I mean I guess it doesn't matter uh, her name was Stacy Haas and uh, she had an older brother named Josh Haas and when people would say there, no, and nobody made fun of her but it was just sort of like you know, she she looked like Shrek. If she had white, if he had white skin and a black unibrow, and kind of like shoulder length, straight dark hair with short bangs. Like, unfortunately, that's what she looked like. I'm not even, I'm not even saying any, anything mean about it. I'm just saying that's what she looked like. Stacy Haas. And. Uh, and then her brother Josh Haas, you could tell they were siblings. Like he was chubby. I think he had like a little chin goatee. Because he was a few years older, so I only remember him when he was in high school. A little chin goatee. And he would wear a black top hat and a black trench coat. Glasses, dark hair. But you know you can imagine what I'm talking about here. 
Like this is a teenage boy in the suburbs who's wearing, you know, a black duster trench coat, Columbine style. And he's got a black top hat and he wears everywhere. Little chin goatee. And this is, you know, he wasn't molded by the internet. This is like 1998, like people were getting the internet, but this guy's already like 18. You know, this guy's formative years are not the world of the internet. But this guy's, you know, that's the thing. is like nerds were different then. They might have played games. They might have been into like RPGs, you know, tabletop role-playing games. They might have been into video games. But they really weren't molded by this like deeply interconnected online nerd culture and that kind of thing. There really wasn't, there wasn't like a, a capital N C nerd culture. There were just interests that were nerdy that these guys were into, and they were nerds, and you knew they were nerds. But there wasn't really like a like a nerd culture. There wasn't like a brand. Like now, nerd culture is basically a brand. That didn't really exist then. So this guy, he just he wanted to like he and his sister were obviously. I mean, this is going to be mean, but they were obviously undesirable people. I'm not saying that about their personalities. I'm just saying they were physically unattractive people, and obviously not going to be popular. I think they had friends, like other nerdy friends, but they were obviously not going to. Growing up wasn't going to be the best, funnest thing they ever did. Um, so it's like this guy, like obviously living in the suburbs in the 90s, being a teenager in the 90s, like he wants to like, you know, show his unique spirit. And so he wears a top hat around with a trench coat. And... Uh, I remember at one point, like, my mom took my friend Nick and I to Dairy Queen. And, like, one of the things, like, my mom and I would do this probably, like, once every couple weeks. But, like, we'd go get fast food or Dairy Queen, like, ice cream or something. And then we'd just drive around and look at houses. And, like, if I thought a certain kid lived in a neighborhood but I wasn't sure, like, I'd be like, drive down that street. I was very fascinated by the idea of where other kids lived. Like, obviously, I had a you know decent number of friends as a, as a little kid, and you know I I knew where they lived, but like I was very fascinated by like the kids that I didn't know very well. Like, I wanted to see where they lived, just out of general curiosity. Like that always seemed significant to me. Like, not not anything. Uh, not like the size of their house or anything stupid like that. I was just curious where they live. Like, where is their abode? Where is their abode? Where is their abode? That's what I was interested in. Like, I remember, like, driving to this one neighborhood because I knew this girl lived in that neighborhood. And I was just curious you know, where she lived. I was just curious which house was hers. I was very young, so it wasn't, there was nothing creepy about it. Like, mom, drive me by the girl's house. Mom, drive me over and, drive in loops by this girl's house. 
You know, there was nothing creepy about it. It was just curiosity. I was like, where does she live? Oh, someone told me it was this street. Because kids would talk about that. Like, kids would talk about where other kids lived. Oh, you know where Matt lives? Matt lives over by the blah, blah, blah. But I, I would just tell my mom, like, drive down these streets. And, like, sometimes you would see your classmates out, like, playing. Like, in the summer, you would see them playing in the street. And that was always interesting because, you know, during the summer, you only see your friends. The only kids you see during the summer are going to be your friends. So when you'd see other classmates elsewhere during the summer, it was always like, whoa. That thing that pulls us all together into the same place every day, it's on hiatus. School's, school's closed. And so you'd see a kid playing or something, you'd be like, wow, that kid. Um, but anyway, like, uh, yeah, like driving around with my mom and Nick one time, like, this is something my mom and I would do sometimes, but we had my friend with us. And he was of the same mind. Like, he was fascinated by where people lived, too. And we just kind of drove around these, this neighborhood, and, like, we were like, oh, that the Hosses live here. Oh, I heard the Hosses live in this neighborhood. None of us were even friends with the Hosses. Uh, it sounds like I'm saying horses. None of us were even friends with the Hosses. None of us were even friends with the horses. None of us were even friends with the horses. Like, none of us knew them. But they were kind of like an oddity. You know, nobody said anything mean to them. They just kind of, they were these oddities. They looked like an ogre family or something. Like, they looked like, um, they just looked like a different species. And I remember we were like, we were looking for their house because Nick and I, we were just, where do they live? And we suddenly see a coat rack. It was like a split level house. Like those were, those were really popular in that area. It was a split level house. And so like you could see that they had that kind of like a, I don't know what you call that, but like not a window that you can just like see clearly through, but kind of. One of those, one of those like front windows that just kind of it brings light in, but it's like creates kind of a haze of whatever's behind it. But we could see a coat rack with a top hat sticking out the top, like how how like a, a tall coat rack, like one of those standalone wooden coat racks, how like they'll have pegs at the top to put hats on, and we could see his top hat on the one of the pegs, and we were like, that's it. Because you could see the fucking top hat through the window, we knew that was it. He puts his top hat on the coat rack. His trench coat's probably hanging right below it. And so in in 2017, when Nick and I just walked around smoking weed, we walked by that house and we were like, that's it. That's where the hosses live. Lived. Probably don't live there anymore. Like, and we both remembered seeing that top hat through the window. What they call seeing the top hat through the window. I'm losing my voice. But yeah, we, you know, people like me, we attach a lot of significance to places. And I've never understood it when people don't. 
I think sometimes it's people who were moved around too much as a kid. Because sometimes you'll meet kids where, like, you know, sometimes you move. You know, I moved once growing up, and it wasn't until I was 16. But, you know, I knew kids who moved two or three times. It was always kind of weird, like, this is my friend's house now? This is your house now? Like, you suddenly, you're hanging out in a different place. But, you know, that would happen. Like, kids, families move a couple times, three times, maybe at the most. But I think if you moved around a ton, I wonder if you would attach the same significance. Like, do you, do you stay as attached to these different houses? Like, if your family was always, like, bouncing between apartments, I'm sure those still were significant to you. Those were still home. But I wonder if they think about it in the same way. And I mean, like, based on what I've said about my job, like, the building I'm in, the haunted building, like, I've thought, I, I'm so into this way of thinking that sometimes I think, like, someday I'm going to, like, look at that building. Like, when I'm no longer there, I'm going to look at that building and just, and I don't know if I'll be able to look in the windows or not. It could be, like, my old house where I don't want to go back. I don't want to see it again. Well, that's something that, like, I've done and my family's done, like, where when we visit, every time we would visit our hometown after we left it, we would drive by our old house and just be like, yeah, there it is. Oh, look at it. There's something kind of ceremonial about it. You got to drive by our old house and really look at it. And if I was in my hometown by myself and I did that, like... My mom would be like, did you drive by our old house? I'd be like, yeah. And she's like, well, what did it look like? Like, what was going on with it? I'd be like, oh, well, they painted it. They they did this. But other than that, it looks the same. But, you know, it's something that we, we all are like, wow, like, did you drive by? It's important to do that. I worked in an office downtown here. And sometimes I'll, uh, it's very rare that I go by it, but sometimes I'll walk by it and I just think, man. Like, it's another place. I did some time there. Like, a lot of energy there. A lot of, a lot of real, like, soul activity was going on there. Not true for other places. I mean, there's, there's places I've worked where there's nothing like that. You just walk or drive by it and you're just like, yeah, I worked there. There's, there's nothing. But some places, like some buildings where you spent time, whether it's a school. I mean, I don't feel that way about my college, even though it's a small college and I still go there regularly. Maybe it's because I go there so much. I go there to walk all the time. So maybe like because and I've done that continuously since I went there. Like there's been no significant length of time where I haven't gone to my college. I've gone probably every single week almost for the last 18 years no more than that 19 that probably not more than a week has gone by in the last 19 years that I haven't gone there for some reason or seen it 
So that might change my perception. Like if I if I hadn't been to my college for years and I went back, maybe it'd feel ceremonial or something, but it's just been part of my life. Um, but yeah, I don't really feel that way there. But some places though, you'll go by and you're just like, man, like, yeah, there, there was some real seismic activity, seismic soul activity here for a while. I really did my time here. Some other people did their time. A lot of, a lot of people felt things here. <laughs> a lot of people felt things. But anyway, I'm about to fall asleep and I've got a dentist appointment early. Just thinking about my old house. You know, because walking by it today, I'm just like, I feel so removed now. You know, I could tell the people across the street are still the same people. I think most of the neighbors, maybe. A lot of them own their houses, so I'm like, a lot of them are probably the same. And I wonder what they would think, because, I mean, these people know me. I was, they would see me walking all the time. And I think I was an oddity. Speaking of oddities, I think I was the oddity in the neighborhood. Just this guy who was, like, coming home from bars at 2 a.m., blasting music. A relatively normal-looking guy, especially at that point. But I lived in this creepy little shack for far too long. But I've thought before, like, what would those neighbors think if they suddenly saw me today? You know, would their brain kind of glitch out? Like, I haven't seen that guy in a long time. Maybe I'm, I'm think. Maybe they wouldn't even think anything. But it feels significant when I go there. It feels significant. Like, you feel like you're... Pr- like, in the same way that you attach this significance to that building, you almost feel like the entire area reacts to you being there. Like, you cause an energy shift. Like, you're a chemical that hasn't been mixed in with that in a long time, and suddenly you're there. I feel like that does something. It's like the earth alone in that area knows, oh, this person used to be here. I feel something I haven't felt for a while. Oh, this this part of the land is sensing something it hasn't sensed for a while. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free